Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid. Nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Standing by a parking meter. When I caught a glimpse of Rita, filling in the ticket in a little white book. In a cap, she looked much older. And everybody tonight is talking about this attack on a U.S. Congressman, Lee Zeldin of New York. It is stunning. And not just the fact that here he is, a member of Congress, he's running for New York governor, and he gets on the stage and you see it and you hear it, the attack. It is unbelievable. Luckily, Lee Zeldin, a military guy, was able to thwart off the attacker, and then a number of other people around him stopped it. But there are so many questions tonight, and I want to take your calls tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show. I always love hearing from you guys on a Friday night because you hear the attack, you see the attack, and you go, wait a minute, this guy is only charged with attempted second-degree assault? This Army veteran, David Jacobunas, obviously a troubled guy, clearly had a lot of issues. But he was armed with this device. It's like a cheat, a keychain lick with knuckles that had like points to it. And he, it wasn't an attempted assault. That's the one thing I'm going, wait a minute. Why was it attempted assault? He tried to attack him. He tried to actually jab him. You could see it. He was lunging for his neck. Can you imagine if he had actually been successful and been able to stab Lee Zeldin in the neck, a member of Congress? There are so many questions tonight. Why is this guy already out because of the small degree of an offense? Thank you, New York, and your bail laws, my goodness. The fact that this guy is walking free. Lee Zeldin, by the way, at the time, was talking about the soft-on-crime bail laws that exist in New York. Think about the irony of it all. There he is on the stage talking about basically this topic, how criminals get a free pass in New York. And a guy lunges for him. So I want to ask you tonight, what are your thoughts, first of all, about the fact of this revolving door that's taking place in New York? And what do we need to do to change it? First off, get the right people in office, because my goodness, what a disaster this is. We've seen it over and over again. Jose Alba, the bodega guy, remember, who was defending his store, he gets thrown in Rikers. And the woman who stabbed him a couple times so far hasn't been charged with anything. So, boy, it's like the twilight zone in terms of legal justice in New York. My goodness. And so here's this guy, this troubled guy who goes on the stage and attacks Lee Zeldin. And again, he is out tonight. He was out before the police were done with their paperwork. I mean, boy, what kind of a situation are we living with in terms of law and order in New York? This is so troubling. And also, in addition to this, Kathy Hochul, the governor, who Lee Zeldin is running against, she puts out, basically her staff puts out, Lee Zeldin's schedule and says, you know, hey, if you want to go out and go to a Lee Zeldin rally, my supporters 
Here's where his schedule is. Here's his upcoming events. How appropriate is that? My goodness. And at the time where we're sitting talking about January 6th, which we're going to get into later on in the show, and, you know, and about events and hostilities and anger and political just animosity that's brewing in this country, my goodness, on all different directions, you've got the New York Democratic governor, Kathy Hochul's campaign, sending out an email saying, here are the upcoming events. Basically, I suggest you kind of get out there. Hit Big Lie Lee, his kickoff statewide MAGA Republican bus tour. And here are the stops. And then guess what happens? Then last night, you got this guy who attacks and lunges him. And so the New York GOP chair is coming out and going, this is outrageous, Kathy Hochul, to be putting out that kind of thing in this climate. And then sure enough, what happens? Lee Zeldin sadly gets attacked on the stage as he's doing a campaign event. I mean, this is just unbelievable. So what's your reaction to Kathy Hochul's email, sending it out just before the event, and then this attacker comes on stage, assaults him, and he only gets charged with attempted second-degree assault. Where's the attempt? He did it. He tried to assault him. He made contact with him. The only reason he wasn't successful is Lee Zeldin blocked him and held his wrist. But you clearly see the guy lunging. Where's the attempt part of this? And to get second-degree assault and he is out? This is a shameful just testament to the New York justice system on so many different levels and so many double standards. Is there anybody out there who thinks when someone lunges for you, it's this Hello Kitty keychain, but it looks like brass knuckles kind of and has two huge spikes, and he was lunging for his neck. Where's the attempted part out there, you guys? He did it. He assaulted him. The only reason he didn't stab and kill him is because Lee Zeldin stopped him. So, I mean, this is crazy. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And that is the number to call tonight on The Rita Cosby Show. And I love always hearing from all of you. Meantime, here is a sound of the actual attack. It's amazing because you hear it. You saw the video. Take a listen. Here is when this happened. Only, there's only one option. Wow. Scary, scary stuff. I'm going to take your calls in a moment about that, because to me, it is shocking. First of all, no candidate should be putting out the schedule of another candidate and saying, big lie, Lee Zeldin. And at this climate where people are emotionally unstable, it's shameful. Um, And also, by the way, Governor Hochul did, to her credit, denounce the attack and said, in this climate in New York, this shouldn't be happening. I contend, sadly, in this climate in New York, it's expected because people are just on edge. Crime is skyrocketing. We've got crime going up 37% in New York. 
So in this climate, sadly, it's expected. There is so much hostility. There's so much tension on all sides of the political aisle. And crime is skyrocketing at an enormous number. We're going to get to your calls in a moment. I see a whole bunch of you guys calling in right now. But you know what? To me, it is absolutely sort of the times. It's a sign of the times. And boy, is that a sad sign of the times. But that's why you can't go out there and say, hey, uh, here's my big lie candidate, as she calls him, uh, schedule. Go on out, guys. Don't you think somebody who's a little off, like this guy who attacked Lee Zeldin, that emboldens him? So I do think people who do that in this climate, they need to clamp it. I mean, they can't. And then you go after, you know, at the on the other end, you go after President Trump saying that him telling his supporters to go to the Capitol that day peacefully and patriotically protest, that he emboldened them. How can Democrats have it both ways? So we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. And first off, let's talk a little bit also about that hearing. Because that hearing with Benny Thompson, there was a lot of dog and pony show action. And he also said he's not done yet because he's planning on calling more to testify, by the way, in September. So isn't that a surprise as it gets a little closer to Election Day in November? Suddenly those hearings that were supposed to wrap up last night, they're continuing They're going to take a break in August, and then they're going to come back in September a little closer to the November elections. Here is the chair, Benny Thompson, Democrat, during the hearings in primetime last night. For the weeks between November election and January 6th, Donald Trump was a force to be reckoned with. He trudged off the factuality and legality, correct, sober advice of his knowledgeable and sensible advisors. Instead, he recklessly blazed a path of lawlessness and corruption, the cost of which democracy be damned. Wow. We're going to get to that later on in the show, your reaction to the January 6th hearings. If it's politics, there's a lot of it because they're suddenly pushing it up, coincidentally closer to the midterm elections. Meantime, things are, as I mentioned, just so heated with everything going on uh, in this political climate. And that's why I think it's dangerous that Governor Kathy Hochul put out this message, her team did, saying, you know what, here is where Lee Zeldin's going to be. Go after big lie Lee Zeldin, as she calls him, tied to Trump. She's doing everything she can to tie him to President Trump. And the campaign puts out this message. And says, here is where the big lie Lee kicks off his statewide MAGA Republican bus tour. Here is his schedule. And basically, show up at the schedule. I mean, to me, going after his big lies, misinformation, his, quote, far-right agenda, it was in a campaign email. And here are all the stops during his bus tour. And here is where uh, he'll be joined by, quote, top anti-abortion advocates, NRA enthusiasts, and a cast of extremist groups. We're encouraging you basically to show up. I mean, that is scary, scary stuff. And then this guy shows up last night and attacks Lee Zeldin and, again, only gets charged with attempted second-degree assault, and he's already out. Boy, what a mess our judicial system is and our political process, too. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Christopher in Vermont. Christopher, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts about this? Sat- and I don't think it's an alleged, uh, I don't think it's a, it's a attempted second-degree assault. It's an assault. Uh, what do you make of the fact the charges and the guy is free? Oh, it's, it's, it's uh, breathtaking. Um, I mean, who was the guy that shot Lincoln at Ford Theater in 1865? Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. What's your point? That missed, it, was that an alleged? Missed, if he had missed his mark, right, would he have been charged with attempted assault? Yeah, and probably, by the way, sadly, if it had happened in New York, um, actually, that was, you're right, that was down in D.C., which is pretty similar, sadly, with Muriel Bowser and the team there. But if it had happened in New York, Christopher, can you imagine? They'd be like, oh, he seemed like such a nice young man. Let's release him. Uh, he's a, you know, he's a, just because he's a bad shot, that would be, quote, a second. They'd probably lower it to a third degree, and they'd probably, uh, they'd probably uh, honor him in a parade the way things are going these days in New York, sadly, if it happened in New York, Christopher. But that's a great point, and that's why I say to you, if you look at the video, you see Lee Zeldin grabbing the guy's wrist. And, and Lee was on with me. Um, I was on uh, with Cats at Night, a great show in WABC, um, and I was there earlier with John Ketsmatiz. We interviewed Lee Zeldin talking about it, but he literally grabbed the guy's wrist, and you can see it in the video. He sees the guy has a weapon, something in his hand. Lee is a military guy, so he sees the guy's hand, grabs his wrist, sees he's got a weapon in his hand, holds that wrist really firm until other people come and basically knock the guy down. Uh, I mean, you see the whole thing. So you're right, just because the guy what, didn't get lucky and, and go after Lee in his mind, and his crazy mind, because he got stopped, thank goodness. Uh, it's it's just a small, minor offense. What What is happening to America, Christopher? I, I don't know. I, I it, It's just, it's breathtaking. Uh, Lee apparently was in the 82nd Airborne Division, and thank God he was, because he could see an attack coming towards him, and he could deflect it. But, uh, I, you know, being charged with an attempted assault when you're doing it, it's breathtaking. It is breathtaking. And the fact that the guy is out, and he's clearly a troubled individual. I mean, that's the other thing, too. If you look at it, the guy is clearly just, uh, you know, has a screw loose. He's obviously mentally, he's got issues. There's word that he's a veteran, uh, maybe PTSD, obviously has some problems. This is not a guy who should be walking free if he felt so free to go up on stage and try to almost kill uh, a U.S. member of Congress and a gubernatorial candidate. This is not the kind of person who should be out under any circumstance. It's clear he is mentally deranged, and it's clear he should be behind bars. And uh, for his own good, too, by the way, too, and certainly for others, first and foremost. Christopher, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are sadly talking about the attack on Congressman Lee Zeldin's life, who is running for New York governor on the GOP side against Kathy Hochul. The guy out, 
because he was only charged with attempted second-degree assault, and he's out already because it's such a minor thing. Take a listen to Lee Zeldin talking about the whole system is broken in New York and many other states across this country. It's extremely important uh, for us in the state of New York to have a repeal of Castle's bail and giving judges discretion to weigh dangerousness and flight risk and past criminal record and seriousness of the offense on far more offenses and also to make sure that no judges are being so lenient that in certain cases where you absolutely need to keep somebody behind bars, that you don't have any judge putting one of those people back out on the streets, as we saw with the, the Goldman uh, Sachs uh, employee who was murdered a couple months ago on the subway in Staten Island, where in that case the prosecutor did ask for bail. It was a bail-eligible offense, but the lenient judge who was proud of being lenient released that person, and then they went out and committed the murder. So this overhaul is long overdue. It needs to get done to protect safety in New York. Absolutely, and to protect everybody. And the fact that a member of Congress who is running for governor can't be protected. I mean, obviously, he's beefing up his security now, but that he can't just campaign and speak out about his views that he has to be now worried about some crazy person coming on stage. What have we come to? My goodness. Uh, let's go to George in Long Beach on line three. George, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. I was, you know, I saw somebody interviewed today on Fox that went behind the stage, came up on the stage and grabbed this guy just as he was attacking Zeldin. And I don't know why he doesn't get any credit for what he did, but he was the guy that took this guy down. And um, he said he did have mental issues, but to me, that doesn't matter. What matters to me is nobody's talking about the fact that Kathy Hochul said when SCOTUS struck down that racist law about showing a need to carry in New York, she said that SCOTUS stripped her of all of her tools to keep her citizens safe. My question is, what tools were you using and where were you using them? Yeah, that's a great I'm question. I'll let you answer this. Answer this on the air because I'm going to lose my Bluetooth. It's going dead. Okay. You're, yeah, repeat the question right. again, George. It was dropping off a little bit. Yeah. Repeat the question again. What tools was she using and where? She said SCOTUS stripped her of her tools to keep her citizens safe. Right. Well, she is. Struck down the gun law. Right. Well, she's, she's referring to that. She's referring to a lot of things because, remember, in that decision, uh, they basically said that more people can, you know, carry weapons, that uh, conceal carry, that they don't have to necessarily show that they are in, quote, eminent danger and be able to show that there are direct threats. In other words, it gave law-abiding citizens, again, only law-abiding citizens, who have the right to carry a gun under the Second Amendment, they don't have to show that they're under, like, an enormous threat and an enormous danger to be able to justify why they have a weapon, uh, that they're allowed to carry a weapon, um, which a lot of people feel is the right decision, especially at a time where New York is dealing with skyrocketing crime. She, of course, turned it and said that it stripped her rights. In other words, that, you know, the, the high court overrode her because it's the highest court in the land. It's the Supreme Court. And that's why she felt that, uh, that it restricted her ability but, you know, I mean, this is crazy. That's, that is the Democratic talking point. Of course, the Republicans say this was an enormous victory for the Constitution and for Second Amendment rights. It's all subject to interpretation. It's, you know, it's different points of view there. 
The other hand, too, um, you brought up this other guy. And, by the way, after the break, I'm going to play his comments because I'm glad you brought up the other guy in the Lee Zeldin case, George, because his name is Joe Chenley, and he's with AMVETS, uh, which was the group that was actually hosting Lee Zeldin. And he said that he saw the guy get on the stage and thought, oh, this is kind of odd, like didn't, didn't know he was going to attack him, but sort of stood nearby. He's also a veteran as well. And you're right. He gave a very powerful interview. I saw that interview earlier today on Fox. And, boy, that guy was the guy who really decked him. Lee Zeldin blocked the guy, grabbed the guy's wrist who was attacking him. And then this guy, Joe Chenley, comes in. And he's got an amazing story, too, because even after all this, he said he still wants to help this guy because the guy uh, who attacked Lee Zeldin, they believe, is a troubled veteran, maybe was on drugs or booze or something. And I'm going to play his comments after the break because you're right. He deserves a lot of credit as well because he toppled the guy. He decked him. I'd hire him as my bodyguard any day. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor great People in law enforcement, men and women and their families. A wild story coming out of Fogelsville, Pennsylvania, where police shot a 15-foot snake. It happened on Wednesday of this week as it was strangling a man who owned the snake in his home. And it happened in an Allentown suburb. Emergency personnel responded to a call on Wednesday afternoon about a 28-year-old man who was going into cardiac arrest with a snake wrapped tightly around his throat. When police arrived at the home, they found the man, who was identified by police only as the pet snake's owner, and he was lying unresponsive on the floor. Now, a lieutenant said the very large, very thick snake had wrapped its midsection around the man's neck And its eyes were then on the officers. Talk about a wild scenario. So the lieutenant said that one of the officers then had to fire a single shot, striking the snake. And the reptile then released its grip and slithered away, allowing the officers to pull the owner to safety. Paramedics then provided life-saving measures on the man before rushing him to the hospital. Police say they don't know what type of snake it was. And it was unclear why it turned on its owner. What a wild story. The man is still said to be uh, in the hospital but is recovering, which is good news. What an amazing story. Can you imagine all the different things that police get called on and suddenly they get called on a snake uh, wrapping around the neck of its owner. What a wild scenario that our law enforcement have to face every single day. And we love appreciating and honoring them here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we know that there were some police probably in the crowd, I would imagine, or nearby uh, the Lee Zeldin event, but at the event it was just a basic campaign stop. Remember uh, that he was doing, this is the U.S. congressman in New York uh, who is now running for governor in New York against Kathy Hochul. Um, We don't know if there were any police in the area, if they were there. Uh, They were not right there in the stage area, but we know for sure that there were a lot of other veterans who were on the stage because it was an AMVETS event. And they were keeping an eye on Lee Zeldin just speaking on the stage, just there to, you know, protect him and just keep an eye on things. 
suddenly that guy goes on the stage with that device, which is scary as heck if you've seen the image of it. It's a it's a fright. It's got two kind of big spikes on it. You can see it. It's kind of brass knuckles with spikes on the top of it. And suddenly this other guy comes out. First Lee Zeldin grabs the attacker, uh, the attacker who has been identified as it appears to be a former veteran, most people are saying. Um, and this guy, Jacobus, who was stopped by Lee Zeldin, first he grabs his wrist of David Jacobus and holds him. And you can see Lee Zeldin's looking at the guy because it's the hand, the wrist of the hand where he was holding this device. And then this other guy comes out of nowhere and kind of topples him, too. He was behind Lee Zeldin because he noticed that somebody was coming on the stage. Well, our last caller brought up this guy because he is also a real hero who definitely also helped Lee Zeldin to protect him at this moment. He's also a former veteran. His name was Joe Chenley, and he was on Fox earlier today describing this attack. Uh, as I was standing off stage, uh, as the congressman was giving his speech, I saw this uh, guy jump up onto the stage. I ran around the back of the stage and came up behind the congressman to see why this guy was, was going where he didn't belong. I uh, didn't know if he was maybe coming up to uh, give the congressman a hug, as I've seen happen, or maybe argue with them. Um, but he came right up to the congressman, yelled at him that he was done, and then uh, from his right hand, which I couldn't see until it came up with the weapon, the edged weapon, uh, tried to strike the congressman who blocked it, um, grabbed his wrist. As he pulled his wrist back to swing again, I grabbed the attacker, uh, bear hugged him, and took him down to the ground. Several other people came in very quickly to help restrain him. Um, as as I was wrestling with him, I knew he had this blade on the other side of him, couldn't see, and I looked over and I saw Alison Esposito, the Lieutenant Governor, also retired NYPD, knew I was in good hands, and uh, her and I worked together, and she was able to remove the blade. Isn't that amazing? So Allison Esposito, she is the Lieutenant Governor candidate with Lee Zeldin, former NYPD for many years. Uh, there she is, you know, because she's on the campaign trail with him, and she helps deck the guy along with this guy. Like, she held him down, grabs the blade out. Uh, I mean, what a wild, wild scenario, and thank goodness Congressman Zeldin is okay, and that he had some military training. He was looking at the weapon. It was frightening to see. And this guy, 43-year-old, obviously a troubled, it sounds like a former military guy, former Army veteran, uh, David Jacobonis, was only charged with attempted second-degree assault, which led him to be automatically sprung from custody under New York's bail reform law, which is just unbelievable. He tries to basically kill. I mean, you could maybe get, like, you know, attempted murder. I mean, you know, I mean, he definitely was assault. Where's the attempt assault? There was an assault. And where's the low charge of second-degree assault? That's so minor. That is so, so minor. And even Joe Chenley said that he is outraged that the guy is out because not only for society, but the guy himself should be behind bars. He's clearly a danger to society and himself. I'm outraged by it. It's uh, it's preposterous. Uh, I live in this community, obviously, and uh, these failed bail reform laws are, are not making anyone safer. In fact, they're endangering us. And I think they're also endangering the, the attacker here. Um, I spent five minutes with him laying on the ground, holding uh, him in a bear hug. 
keeping him. I don't think he was in his right state of mind at that time, and I worry about him being a danger to society, but also to himself. What an amazing guy, this Joe Chenley guy who decks the attacker who attacked Lee Zeldin. No attempted attack. It was an attack. Um, it just could have been a lot worse. Thank goodness it was not. Thank goodness it was stopped by Lee Zeldin and Joe Chenley and other people that were there. But this guy needs to be behind, you know, bars for himself, too. This is unbelievable. This is like a classic case. I think about the guy on the subway. Remember, mentally disturbed. He's out. How about the guy who killed the two cops? Mentally disturbed. They're out. When someone is such a big blaring sign that they have mental issues, and clearly, I bet you as we look into the background of this guy, it's not like he just suddenly snapped. I bet you there were warning signs all over the place. You don't just go up to the stage of an elected official, a U.S. member of Congress, and do that. So, I mean, this is just outrageous. And Andy McCarthy, a former prosecutor, um, who's going to be giving an at-length interview um, on the Cats Roundtable on Sunday on WABC, and also you can check it out on WABCradio.com. But here's a little preview because Andy McCarthy, former prosecutor, says that there should be a lot more to the charges against this guy not just state, but also federal. I think Mr. Channelly's uh, most important thing that he said, which he said a number of times, was the congressman. Uh, it happens in this instance that Lee Zeldin is not just running for governor in the state of New York. He's a United States congressman. Under federal law, he is an officer who is cognizable under the statute that deals with yeah. assaults on federal officers. That's a very serious offense in federal law when it's committed with a dangerous weapon as yeah. this was. And in federal law and in federal court, you're looking at real bail. Unlike New York, they can detain people as a danger to the community. Mm -hmm. This guy looks like a classic danger to the community. How much more dangerous do you need to be? Great point. How much more dangerous do you need to be? And Andy McCarthy is shaking his head at these soft on crime bail laws in New York and a lot of other states across the country. He just says it is contributing to this lawlessness that major liberal-run cities are experiencing. We drove crime down from the 1990s up until about 2015, 2016, by enforcing the law yeah. and projecting the idea that laws were going to be enforced and people who broke them were going to be punished. And if you, if you send people out, if the, if the bad guy is back on the street while the cop is still in his office filling out the paperwork, then you have chaos on the street, which wow. is what we have. Yeah, isn't that amazing? If they're out on the street before the cops have finished their paperwork, what a sad testament to the New York criminal justice system, or lack thereof, maybe the justice in the minds of the criminals, but not of the victims. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Norman. Line two. Norman, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, my thoughts are, I mean, last night, I, first I hope pray for Lee Seldon's future safety. Um, I was uh, supposed to actually go to that rally last night, but my lift fell through. Oh, and my goodness. Also, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 the, and that rally, at least advertised on the flyer that I got, was Andrew Giuliani was there, too. So I'm just saying it was, you know, it wasn't just, at least that's what it says on the flyer. Uh, I mean... Uh, I'm pretty sure he was there. So, you know, that's... Uh, that's you know, interesting. Was... Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, you know, but the guy got up. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of the things 
Um, and I'm sure you heard from people who did go, Norm. That, I mean, it would have been, wow. Um, and by the way, knowing you, Norm, because you've called into the show before, you would have been on the stage and decking the guy, too. I know you. <laughs> you would have been up there decking him. I would have gotten stabbed. <laughs> no. Anyway, hey, 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 Rita, that snake, that was a Burmese python. I'm almost certain of it. Yeah, those, maybe. Those, maybe. Did maybe. you? It happened in Pennsylvania, by the way. That was the story. The uh, the police yeah, officers. They've they become popular to get people think, oh, it's so sweet, this cute little snake. And uh, they grow to like, you know, 18 feet long and they eat everything. They gulp. They've become a big problem in Florida. They're eating all the they are an invasive species. And you have like an unlimited kill. You can kill as many as they have like. You know, like you can you can kill as many of them as you like because they gulp up all the uh, local snakes and the local birds and the local because, you know, in in Burma, they're, you know, and it's not like in Burma where there are other animals that would gulp it. Wait, so, wait, so, what, so what do you do? Take it for a walk if it's your pet? You put it in a, in a snake leash and walk it around? Dangerous. <laughs> it's inappropriate to have an animal like that. Like in city, it's like 20 feet long, and uh, when it decides it doesn't want you, it can really mess you up. Well, and that's, what, by the way, this happened in uh, Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. This was our Back the Blue, just in case people are just tuning in, uh, where this, sadly, the snake uh, wrapped itself around the throat of its owner. Uh, so you're right. It turned. They're not even loyal snakes. So that that's no, not even not loyal snakes. Ah. No, and they they speak Burmese, so you can't communicate with them. Ah, that's know. terrible. So we got we got to stick with cats and dogs. That's easier. Yeah, <laughs> Norm, yeah or an American snake. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Norm, thank you. You're terrific. Thanks so much. Let's go to Phil. Line one. Phil, go ahead. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. We're talking about Lee Zeldin or snakes, whatever you'd like to talk about. Yeah, hi, good evening, Rita. Uh, you know, it's what's intriguing. You can go to 15 different other stations, TV, radio, Internet, and they they don't talk about this the way you do. You allow for a wide spectrum of opinions and, and comments, but you go into it in, in a way which I think is very, you know, very laudable. I think it's very nice. Oh, thank you. And you know what is important? Because it's indicative of our justice system and for people to understand what happened. And why it's affecting all of us, because obviously it's a scary thing if people feel emboldened to just get up on a stage of a U.S. member of Congress. I mean, when you think about that, um, I mean, that's a scary thing. And he's got, you know, some people around him watching him. Um, but if people can't campaign and and here he was on the stage too, Phil, I mean, what's so stunning is literally at the time he is talking about. You know, the bail laws in New York and what a disaster they are and how they're not stopping the repeat offenders and all the problems. I mean, the sad irony of it all is he was right in the middle of discussing and then the guy who gets him. And then as soon as, by the way, right after it happens, Lee Zeldin said, oh, the guy's going to be out. You know, I have no doubt, you know, based on this crazy system. And sure enough, I think he was already out before Lee Zeldin even said that. I mean, what a what a sad testament to the judicial system of New York and a lot of other states, too, Phil. That's true. And, and what's, what's the saddest part is, look at the, the attempt on the life of the Supreme Court justice, the attempt on the life of police officers, the attempt on the life of, of politicians who are running for office. I, I, I'm sad to say it's all Republican-oriented people who are the victims and the aggressors, perhaps, might be over-motivated. They talk about Trump saying, oh, he, he, he was the cause of the January 6th riot. Well, I think in this case, 
the Democratic rhetoric, which is pretty horrible, uh, really nasty, drives these people over the edge. It's very conceivable, you know. Well, and we've talked about even on the show um, some of the rhetoric that came from people like Chuck Schumer, people like Maxine Waters, um, some of those things that are inflammatory. And again, I, you know, I always I'm a big First Amendment person, but I don't like when people threaten somebody, especially a political member of Congress. I mean, that's like, you know, you can't or anybody, you know, you can't be threatening anybody. Um, sometimes rhetoric gets taken out of context, but you're right. There, there's a there's a climate right now, Phil, where people have a bit of a screw loose. There's tension. Crime is so high. Uh, there's such, you know, animosity, there's such division in this country. And to sort of fuel into it and, and the rhetoric that fuels into it. And just like you said, uh, there seems to be very much a uh, different standard and a double standard and a very different standard when it's somebody. I mean, you brought up the example, first off, by the way, of um, Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, there are a lot of people who have still not condemned the fact that that guy showed up ready to kill him. I mean, he had guns, he had knives, he had a backpack, showed up outside his house, you know, in Maryland. I mean, there, there was no gray there. What I am happy, by the way, Phil, and I will, I'll give President Biden credit, he did put out a statement, even though he's uh, dealing with COVID. I don't know if he had anything to know, if he even knows that a statement was put out, but there was a statement on his behalf put out where he condemned the attack on Congressman Lee Zeldin in the strongest terms. And then he says, as I've said before, violence has absolutely no place in our society and our politics. Um, what do you make of the fact that we, there, I actually was surprised that there was a statement from the president, uh, Phil, because he hasn't really said a lot on some of these other things that have happened. Well, I think, I think quite frankly, the Democrats are getting smart in their old age because they know what's going to happen if they don't smarten up. The whole flaw, the whole critical flaw in a, in a nutshell of the Democratic Party, the way it's been going, is too much, too fast, too many lies. Just go slow and tell the truth. If you want to change the environment, you know, what, what do they call that, the, the, the atmosphere, you want to change society or what children do or what they don't do, what they read or don't read, you have to go about it in a slow, methodic way. America was built over, over two, three hundred years. You don't suddenly throw a light switch and you got a whole new brand, you know, brand new spanking new stage set. It doesn't work that way. Right. Absolutely. No question. We also have to be respectful of each other, too. I mean, you know, and, and, and you, the whole like using it for political advantages, which seems to be the case in a number of instances. And, and just like you said, you're right. I think that the Democrats are realizing that it's backfiring on them. And they wanted to put out this statement to say, oh, look, we put out this statement, even though we didn't put out all these other ones um, and didn't condemn it, you know, any other way. On a number of these other cases, uh, it looks it just looks very I was shocked. I was like, oh, wow, there's a statement. I mean, how sad is that? There should always be a statement, you know, especially if there's a threat to a Supreme Court justice. There should have been a statement there. He should have come on camera, quite frankly, then he should have gone out to the American public and said this needs to stop. You know, uh, this is how I feel about Roe v. Wade, because obviously he feels different than the Supreme Court is. But you can peacefully protest anybody who crosses the line. This will happen, and this, you know, threat against a Supreme Court justice must stop here. He didn't do it. He didn't even put out a paper statement, let alone go on camera. So you're right. I wonder why he came out now. And I think, to your point, he feels like maybe it's getting towards elections or maybe they're seeing something in the polls because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that he should have said it before. 
Um, Phil, thank you. You are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's go to Susan in Brooklyn on line six. Susan, your thoughts. Oh, yes, Rita. Listen, I I always like now just want to tune in at night because I only get to listen a little bit in the morning. And I heard about this horrific situation and with Lee Zeldin and that I was so grateful, you know, that his training, it just kicked in and he was able to, you know, just do that spontaneously. And then his, um, you know, the, the aide that you got to interview. But I just want to know, because you said you had an interview with him earlier, and what I, what I heard in the, the beginning of the day was that it was some kind of a brass knuckle that had, like, blades in it. Yeah, it's weird. If you see it, it's it's uh, like it looks like a Hello Kitty. Have you ever heard of this? Which is bizarre. Um, but that you put your fingers in it. It looks like it's tied to like a keychain. But it's like it's literally where you put your fingers in it. And then it has two sharp points, two sharp like big arrows at the top that are very sharp. So they're used. It's actually used as a defensive. If somebody were to attack you, then you have it on your keychain. And it's a way to like thwart off an attacker. Um, and this guy had it. You see it in his hand. Um, you see it afterwards. They hold it up, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's metal. And somebody who's a big guy who's angry, who's lunging at somebody, you know, I, I mean, he could have done some serious, serious, he could, have, he could have killed Lee Zeldin. I mean, if you think about it, lunging for his neck with a sharp object that would puncture, that's designed to sort of puncture and, and defend somebody, but he used it on the offense. Thank goodness, Lee Zeldin, just as you said, his training, you could see his eye was like, oh, this guy's got something in his hand, and he could see a pointed thing, and he's holding the wrist, holding it, holding it, um, and reacted quickly, and so did everybody else there. Um, Susan, thank you very much, and I'm glad you're tuning in here on the Rita Cosby Show. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, 800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And coming up in the next hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to talk about the January 6th hearing in prime time. Was it all politics, all smoke and mirrors? If you listen to the Democratic side, they say, oh, this was the goose that laid the golden egg. This was the biggie. But Republicans and a lot of others are saying it was just one big bust. Uh, I still think that it is so politically charged so many layers of this taken totally out of context they're leaving out key parts they're not showing the other side and we're going to get into that but i want to get your take after seeing the primetime hearings yesterday about what president trump was doing and was not doing on january 6th and how do you think that that affects the democratic party and also trump's chances should he decide to run it sounds like he sure is planning for 2024 uh real quick uh let's go to mike in manhattan line three go ahead mike real quick yeah i don't really yeah i fought a guy off with uh, brass knuckles about a year ago i i could i could have ended the fight real quick but i i, I didn't want to hurt the guy too much he got me good but i i, I want to you know giving it to him good but anyway i gotta sh- uh, i gotta give lee selden a lot of credit a lot of class for fighting him off with his hands Okay, I got to give uh, Lee Sullivan supporters. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. By the way, Mike, 1,000%. Bravo, bravo, bravo. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. It's the Rita Cosby Show. President Trump is ranting after seeing the primetime January 6th select committee. He calls it the unselect committee. Um, But the big hearing that took place last night, and it was televised uh, for several hours in primetime. A number of networks took it. And I was watching it closely along with many of you. We talked a little bit about it last night, but now there is a lot of reaction today, including from President Trump himself. And I want to get your take now that everyone's been able to kind of take it in and hear at least what the committee is presenting. And I keep saying that because there's, I think, a lot more to the story. There's only one side being presented there. And that, to me, I think just does a disservice to the American people. But what do you think the hearings do for the Democrats? What do you think it does for the Republicans? And what do you think... It does to President Trump's future. Do you think it does nothing? And so he says, okay, I'm going to go forward in 2024 and maybe even announce it even before the midterms or right after the midterms that he may run for president again and say it's all politics. Or do you think there will be some lasting effect? Or do you think people see that it is just sort of smoke and mirrors and uh, clearly one sided? I think there's still a lot of unanswered questions. And I've said that, you know, that it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or Democrat that they're focused on. But clearly these are people who just don't like President Trump and don't want to present the whole story. They just want to present their version or what they'd like us to believe is their version. So there's some huge omissions. And I think that does a tremendous disservice to all of us who really do want to know some of the things of what happened that day. And we don't know it because they don't want to show it. They're just so intent on bringing down President Trump at any cost and making sure that he doesn't run again. So I'd say a lot of this is politics. What do you think? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Well, as I mentioned, President Trump, Right after the hearings were taking place, he just went on a tear on his social media platform, Truth Social. He said, quote, that the USA is going to hell. He said that. He also said that the panel is spreading lies. And he also kept talking about the fact, his claim, that the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, had turned down his offer to send 10,000 National Guard troops to Washington, D.C., ahead of the riot. Now, this is one of the things that I keep bringing up, because we know for a fact that there were other people that have come forward and said they were in meetings where President Trump had asked for the National Guard. So think about how different it would be had the National Guard come on out prior to what was supposed to just be a rally there at the Capitol, 
But don't you think that could have thwarted a lot of things? It would have sent a message to a lot of people. If you see heavily armed National Guard outside the Capitol, maybe don't come on in or don't try to interfere if they had nefarious purposes, the rioters that were there. Because there were a lot of people there that were rallying, that just went to the rally, went home. The ones who maybe were planning something more or, or spontaneously thinking something more, whatever the case is. Don't you think they would have stopped if they suddenly saw 10,000 National Guard heavily armed surrounding the Capitol? So there's a lot of questions as to why that didn't happen. And that would have been under Nancy Pelosi's purview, also Capitol Hill police. We're not hearing from them. What are the Democrats afraid of? Why, if there's nothing to hide, why not pull them up and get them to say under oath, if they knew that there were requests, did they turn them down for specific reasons? We had John Solomon on the show last night, and I thought he said a blockbuster thing because John Solomon was saying on the show last night that he had a memo uh, that he reported actually about, and it showed that there was a second meeting, that there were actually two meetings prior to January 6th where it was discussed that President Trump wants security. He wants it to be a safe and peaceful rally. He wants safety for everybody. Let's get National Guard. Let's get extra security there. One of them was on January 3rd, and another one was a day or two before January 6th. So that doesn't sound like somebody who's planning an insurrection. So that would actually help President Trump to show that there wasn't this attempt to, like, go into the Capitol. That's one. And two... It would certainly also just beg the question, well, what happened with that request? Why were they turned down? And think about had that been there, don't you think it would have thwarted the people coming in? Well, John Solomon was saying there was a notation on this memo that says that the Democrats did not want the military to be out there because it would have presented this image of like a coup. That like, you know, that it was something more than it was supposed to be, that it was supposed to be like a rally. And if they had the military out there, it would have sent this message of it was a much more serious thing and, and would have like inflamed things. Almost like when they didn't want to put the military, remember, uh, when the Defense Department and others didn't want to put the military outside the White House when there were riots and protests outside the, riot, the White House. Remember in the summer of love, I'm being sarcastic, in 2020. So if that was the mindset, and you could see that that might have been the mindset, why maybe some people in the military and some people in Capitol Hill police specifically, it sounds like, and Nancy Pelosi ultimately likely had turned this down. So if that's the case, and according to John Solomon's reporting, think about how different it would have been. And then it also diffuses the things, because if they thought there wasn't going to be problems and it was just a peaceful rally and having the National Guard out there, quote, would have inflamed things, then how can they show that it was Trump planning a riot if they didn't want to put security out because it was just a rally? So you can't have it all ways, Democrats. That's why there's a lot of questions out there, and the American public deserves to know. Meantime, during the hearing yesterday, boy, big time, uh, were they playing Trump's actions and what they said were inactions to. And one of the things they pointed to was this statement that Donald Trump finally made. It was at 4 o'clock. And it's when the riot was taking place, and they were saying he should have said in this statement, go home, uh, be peaceful, go home. Well, he sort of did say it. He should have said it earlier, I think. He should have come out much earlier in the day and said it, but he did say it. Take a listen to the comments that he made on that fateful day. I know your pain. 
I know you're hurt. We had a election. Let me say. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. And the Democrats are saying he didn't say go home. He didn't say be peaceful. He didn't use the word be peaceful, but he did say we have to have peace. We need peace. I mean, he didn't say it the way maybe they wanted to. That was him, the rehearsal, where he ad-libbed. You could hear him, like, you know, saying, okay, let's add, let's do this. That was when he finally made the statement. Do I wish he had said it earlier? Yeah. But I also wish that there were 10,000 National Guard that, according to multiple reports and the president himself, he had asked for. So why don't we know the truth about that? Why are we just getting little pieces and not the full picture? I think it's a tremendous, tremendous disservice. But listen, if you listen to CNN, what happened yesterday was the end of President Trump. Take a listen. So the theme was dereliction of duty, but I actually think the committee proved quite a bit more than that. No doubt there's plenty of evidence about things Donald Trump did not do, refused to do, refused to call for military help, refused to call for law enforcement help, refused to issue a clear statement calling off the rioters. Essentially, all he did was sit in the private dining room and watch the riot unfold on cable news. But let's remember, he sent that 2.24 p.m. tweet verbally attacking Mike Pence. And that's so important because we know what happened next. Two minutes later, Mike Pence gets evacuated. The rioters come within 40 feet of Mike Pence and his detail, causing members of the Secret Service to fear for their lives. And if I'm looking at this from a prosecutorial angle, John, the dereliction of duty, the failure to act, that's really important because it goes to Trump's intent through the larger conspiracy to steal the election, to obstruct Congress. But that 224 tweet, that jumps out at me because that's an affirmative act as Sarah Matthews pouring gasoline on the fire. So what did you make of the hearings, and where does it go from here from a political standpoint? one 800 848 Let's go to Ed in Brooklyn. Ed, your thoughts about all this. Hello. How are you, Rita? I'm good. I'm good. What did you think, Ed? I, I think right now, I'm being honest with you, and I have to be really frank about it. It's the first time me calling you. I love you. I love everything that you say, and, and, and you're very forward with everything, and I really appreciate that. I think that basically everything everything that's from the very beginning is a kangaroo court. That's all it is. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all garbage. Okay? I want to read something to you that was a letter that was sent to my father in 1973. And this is from a judge in Levin's jurisdiction. Okay? Charles Margat. Okay? This it says here, my fellow citizens, to be selected as a juror, to sit in judgment of a fellow man is one of the greatest privileges and most important responsibilities that can be conferred upon an individual. 
period. The right to trial by jury is perhaps the most fundamental of all our constitutional protection. That was not given to the president of the United States, and they not gave him due process. When you have a, 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 a kangaroo court, that's a kangaroo court. There is no trial. If there was a trial, then that means there would have to be a judge that would sit there, and then there would have to be someone who's a jury to come up with what they feel is a decision. Not the rhetoric, and not he say, she say, she say stuff. It's garbage. It's all garbage, and that's all I got to say. And you can comment at that off the air, and I really appreciate you and everybody that works at your staff. Uh, thank Thanks you. so much. Ed, you are great. Thank you very much. And I, and I hear you, too, because... The fact that there's not the other side, and I keep saying, just as you said beautifully, what you wrote in what you read in that letter, that there is a process in America of having all sides and due process. He's not able to defend himself. Uh, there's no response. And what I just also said about this National Guard, too. I mean, if you know, there are people, there are multiple people, there are six people who are in a meeting, and they've all confirmed that President Trump brought it up in a meeting a few days before about the National Guard troops, that he wanted National Guard troops, okay? Um, and that was two days before. And then what I just mentioned about John Solomon, he has reports in a memo that says on the 3rd, which was three days before, that Trump brought up that he would like things to be peaceful at the rally. So there's two times. Now you've got the President of the United States saying right away last night, why are they not bringing up that I wanted to bring out the National Guard? They said maybe he didn't ask for it that day, but it sounds like he asked for it many days before, and they ignored him. So they, it, like just as you said, it's like selective editing. It's like, okay, at this moment he didn't do it, but they don't bring up the fact that according to him and multiple other people, he was asking for it beforehand for a peaceful rally. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of these things that just they do not make sense. And how can the Democrats say, oh, well, we didn't want to necessarily. Um, and again, according to John Solomon's reporting and John's always been spot on. According to his reporting, the Democrats were basically saying, oh, we don't think it's a good idea to bring military out uh, that it would inflame a rally. So which is it? A planned insurrection, which is what you're planning to do right now with you know, which is what you're saying President Trump did, or is it a peaceful rally? Which is probably why they don't want to show that memo, you know, because it would diffuse their whole purpose. Because if it was a peaceful rally and Trump always planned for it to be a peaceful rally, that's okay. The Democrats are, are rallying outside the Capitol, you know, outside Capitol often. They're also outside the Supreme Court. So a lot of this just doesn't make sense. And your point about that letter, that's why you have due process. You have both sides. So not only, obviously, the person who's on trial, or in this case, in front, not even on trial, he's just being skewered by a group of people who hate him. Um, but even in addition to that, the American public gets all the answers. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. We're working hard for the money here on the Rita Cosby Show. 
with you on this Friday night. And we are talking about the January 6th hearings, the last one that just took place in prime time. And it's not over yet. After the break, we're going to talk about some of the comments that some of the members of Congress are saying to signal that it's going a little bit closer to Election Day. What a coincidence that they want to push it back and drag this out. I feel like I'm going to be in a wheelchair playing bingo and in some, like, old age home, and they're going to be like, here's our 5,000th January 6th hearings. We've got one more witness. We've got somebody who was five miles away from the Capitol, and they're going to say this. That's what's coming up. Whoa, get ready, everybody. Buckle your seatbelts for the never-ending January 6th hearings. That's where we're headed, guys. It sure seems that way. But if you listen to some of the Democratic comments, especially those on MSNBC, they think that President Trump is basically the worst person in the world, and he had this major orchestrated plan, and he was the mad scientist behind it all. Take a listen. It's so hard to contemplate the idea that the president would launch a war against our own country, against our own constitution, that he would, uh, that he would be the arsonist to try to burn down democracy. And, and unlike someone who, quote, did nothing, I hope no one says those words tonight. It's not that he did nothing. He's like the Joker in the Batman movies. He set the city ablaze, and then he watched and laughed as it burned. That's right. not doing nothing. You know, that's, that is an active uh, uh, attempt to, to burn down the citadel of democracy. And so, yeah, the prosecutors have been going after the guys scaling the walls, the guys trying to break windows, and those were the foot soldiers. But undoubtedly, Donald Trump was the leader of this movement. Uh, He was the leader of this domestic terrorist assault on our Capitol. So what are your thoughts? Because the Democrats say this is going to lead, they believe, to charges against President Trump, criminal charges for planning an insurrection. Did they make the case? Um, You know, there are certain things that he said or didn't say and didn't do um, that can certainly come into, you know, a lot of question on that. But is that a question of bad judgment or is that criminal? That's the question. And that's what DOJ, although DOJ has been pretty political, they went after the parents for being domestic terrorists. uh, I wouldn't put anything past this DOJ. And I think this committee is going to refer something. The question is whether DOJ decides to press charges or not. Um, But you can you can go after a ham sandwich. 1-800-848-9222-1-800-848. Nine two two two. Let's go to Robert in Philadelphia. Robert, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. It's good to talk to you. Um, I'm not going to belabor the point on what a farce this is. Everybody knows what's going on. The whole country knows what it's all about. Okay. My point is going to be very simple. Say they find some way to stop Mr. Trump from running in 2024. Okay. Do they think that's it? That all of us are just going to flee to the hinterlands and hide? The blueprint for American success has been shown to us. There are thousands of talented politicians across this country that see this, and it's going to be carried forward. There is nothing this commission can do to stop what's going to happen to them politically over the next six years. And after this election, all the information that we're not getting now, we will be getting, and it'll just compound – let them dig their grave. It's Even if they take out Mr. Trump, Mr. DeSantis, there are governors across this country that now know 
They, he reminded us since Reagan what we need to do to succeed as a country and to push back on these progressive idiots. Okay? We, now, let me it's ask out. you, Robert, do you think um, that obviously November, which is not that far away, and that's why I even contend they're pushing these hearings back further and further on purpose because they want it to be close to the elections as much as possible. Because um, if you look at Joe Biden's poll numbers, he is tanking. I mean, they're worse than Jimmy Carter's. So they're trying to do anything. They're really, you know, trying to say that they're running against Trump um, and using that as sort of a battering, you know, as opposed to going uh, after Biden's agenda. They don't want to they want to distract from that. Um, so don't do you believe if the Republicans get the House that things will turn around, that they'll start doing investigations and get maybe the answers, maybe find out what happened with the National Guard was indeed called, as all these people say. What do you think real quick? I think that it's going to play well for Republicans no matter what they do with this commission. It's past the point of pale, number one. And number two, um, they gave us Trump. That's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. That's a very interesting point. So many of the issues and problems, a lot of people said they were looking for an alternative. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which we love doing every night here on the show, where we honor our great military and also their families. A powerful story coming from Bangor, Maine. Beautiful Bangor, Maine. I love Bangor, Maine, where a veteran received this year's Pat Tillman Award on Wednesday which is awarded to service members who embody the spirit of Pat Tillman, the legendary former NFL player and U.S. Army Ranger. Army Command Sergeant Major Gretchen Evans, who serves as the governor of Maine's aide-de-camp, joined the Army in 1979, working her way up to the Command Sergeant Major over 27 years of service. Evans was injured in combat in Afghanistan in 2006 and was left with total hearing loss and also PTSD. She then went on to found Team Unbroken, which is a racing team that welcomes veterans and others with life-altering injuries, illnesses, and traumas, going there to help others. Now, the governor of Maine said, Command Sergeant Major Evans is an inspiration to me as she is to so many people across Maine and across America. And how beautiful to see that she is being honored in such a big way in the beautiful state of Maine. And we always love shining a light on our great heroes and all they do to inspire all of us. Well, we are talking about the January 6th hearings here on the Rita Cosby Show. And yesterday, Liz Cheney, uh, who is never short on hyperbole, uh, basically said this almost in her opening remarks, almost like a minute or two after she started talking. She said this. But in the course of these hearings, we have received new evidence and new witnesses have bravely stepped forward. Efforts to litigate and overcome immunity and executive privilege claims have been successful and those continue. Doors have opened, new subpoenas have been issued, and the dam has begun to break. And the dam has begun to break. And that's why people like Liz Cheney and also Adam Kinzinger, the two 
Republicans, but really more Democrat than the Democrats on the committee because they both hate Trump more than the Democrats do, it seems. Adam Kinzinger came out and said that the January 6 hearings, by the way, are not winding down. And you just heard from Liz Cheney in the opening remarks. She always kind of tips things off. She made it sound like, okay, they're far from being done. And Adam Kinzinger certainly signaled the same thing. He said just recently that there's a good chance that these hearings could stretch past the midterm elections in November. Now, they were supposed to wrap up a couple weeks ago. They extended into last night. Now they're supposed to put a report out potentially maybe in September. But then Benny Thompson, who's the chair of the committee, came out and said, well, we may not be done. Even when we put out the report, we may at that point want to have more witnesses at that point, which is why I keep saying this is like the endless January 6 hearings. I feel like it's going to be like 2050 and they're going to be like, hey, did you see the latest edition of the January 6 hearings? They're going to like pull anybody out of the woodwork. They're going to pull somebody who sewed a pant leg tied to somebody who showed up on Capitol Hill. At some point, I bet you down the road, witness 10,000 will be that person because they're just going to drag this out. And they want to drag it out, of course. They've got to, in their mind, for political reasons especially, because that's what so much of this is about, is going after Trump politically to try to damage him politically. And they're trying to also go after the Republican Party politically. And they know that their president is tanking big time. I mean, you look at the numbers. The guy is on life support from a political perspective. We pray he does better. He's not doing well now, obviously, with COVID. But he is doing better with COVID now, thank goodness. And we pray that he gets better, of course. Um, But from a polls perspective, he's not doing well. You look at the numbers. He is doing horribly in the polls. Horribly. And so they need something. They need something to galvanize the base. And so this is what Benny Thompson gave them. Here are some of the breadcrumbs that he put out during the hearing yesterday. As we've made clear throughout these hearings, our investigation is going forward. We continue to receive new information every day. We are pursuing many additional witnesses for testimony. We will reconvene in September to continue laying out our findings to the American people and pushing for accountability. And if you listen to MSNBC, uh, clearly, and this is a Democratic committee uh, person who said, you know what, Uh, suddenly it's not just about Trump, it's about the whole Republican Party. Take a listen to him. This has been a theme that we've seen throughout all of the hearings is the cowardice that's been demonstrated by Republicans right after that moment. I mean, that very night, 147 of them went back into that chamber and voted against certifying the election. They they went back and, and tried to achieve the means of these violent domestic terrorist extremists. They all the things that we heard, the audios of, of McCarthy and, and Republicans and huddling and all of these things that we saw, their, their, their real terror, their real fear, they would go back on that and reverse course days, weeks later. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's shocking to me to see that 180 that's been done by the Republican Party uh, after those fearful moments. So if they were planning an insurrection and then they were running in fear and in shock, 
doesn't that fit that they maybe weren't planning something? So there, there's such mixed messages here, guys. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts about this? Uh, I heard uh, that tape of Trump saying, you know, go home, go back home, and so forth. You know, what a piece of work this guy is. And then even saying what, uh, you know, we, the election was stolen. Still, to the very end, he, would, he had to be pushed and shoved into making that statement. He didn't want to make the statement. He, he, he was pushed. He had to be forced. His own kids had to tell, make him do he wasn't going to do anything. So I mean, where where do you, where do you see this going, though, Stan? Because ultimately, he did say they they claim he, he never said go home, said and he did nothing. He had to. He was pushed. You saw. He didn't even want to make the statement. I don't want to use this that the election was all over. He didn't even want to do that. The man can't tell the truth. Now, where is this all going? I'll tell you where it's going. Donnie Dummy, if you're listening. You said on a, 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 a tweak or whatever the hell you sent that uh, these people are lying and so forth. Here's your chance to be the great martyr that you always wanted to be. Come to the – it's not a trial. Come to the committee and, you know, make a statement and answer questions. You'll either look great or you'll plead the Fifth Amendment, which I know you will do. Go and make a statement. If you believe these people are lying, just go before them. And make a statement. You got you have a mouth. You can deal with these people. You can give as well as you can get. So go before this committee, Mr. Trump, and speak to them. Make your statement and answer questions that they want to ask you as well. Maybe you'll come out looking like a king, or maybe you'll come out looking as guilty as you already are. Oh, so Stan, so Stan, you think you now? Let me ask you because sure. you got to admit it is very one-sided in no, that it's hearing. Not. You keep saying that, Rita. Well, you, wait, but, Rita, but, but Stan, Rita, Stan, hang on, Stan. I'm just, okay, sure, I'm just. Ahead, he's ahead, not here to defend himself, so that's. Well, let me, Rita, I just said to him, I'm call, Go to the committee. It's not a trial. Make a statement. Say whatever he wants to say. Right. So, like, what a, what's wrong with that? Go. That's like, uh, that's like someone you send them to a uh, what is it to like a carnival, and they say, Hey, stand there. We're only going to send throw ten pies well, at you. The one thing yeah. I agree with you is he he is a carnival. Yeah, that's about the go to the hearing. There were Republicans there. Oh, Stan, Stan, oh, they're not. You Stan. keep calling them Democrats. They Let are. Speak. Come I on. believe he, if he has something, I'm for that. It's not a Trump. Make a statement. Say whatever he wants to say, but take questions. Two, all right, so two things. To, I'll bet you donuts to dollars or dollars to donuts that he takes the fifth every time. He won't come because he knows that he is a liar and he knows what he did. If, he, if you say, if you say, Rita Cosby, that uh, he comes, he go. Wouldn't he come? Wouldn't I mean? He, you want to bring a lawyer? But you can be sure. Don't answer this. Don't answer that. It, it's his chance. Let All right. So before. two things. Hang on, Stan. Two things. One is, by the way, it would be interesting to see his version of the events, to hear it, um, to hear all the details. And one of the things that he put out, by the way, right afterwards. And I keep saying this because to me, this to me really pokes a hole in the January 6th committee. And we just don't know the answer to this because we know that there are multiple people who have come out and said that they were there when Trump asked for the National Guard prior to. We're talking in the days leading up to January 6th. And we had on John Solomon last night on the show who said that he also has information and a report where it showed that 
others were involved in another meeting where Trump was asking, saying he wanted it to be a safe and peaceful rally. And Trump last night, right after, this is after everything ended, uh, put out on his social media saying that he repeatedly asked and he repeated his claim that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had turned down his offer to send 10,000 National Guard troops to Washington ahead of the riot. So why don't we get, let's do this. We'll get Trump there, but let's get Nancy Pelosi there. And let's also get the Capitol Hill police there. Because don't you think the American public, just step aside, obviously, your animosity for Trump, but don't you think the American public deserve to know if indeed somebody blocked, as all these people have said, a number of people have said it, um, and a number of people have actually said it under oath, they said too as well, but we haven't seen any of that because they're not playing it. So if Trump goes forward, then Nancy Pelosi and the Capitol Hill police, the head of it, uh, have to go forward too as well. Is that a deal, Stan? No, it's not a deal. Oh, Stan, I knew you wouldn't because you know what? You are so intent on just going after him that you don't want to get to the bottom line and the truth. we got to hear, if you're going to hear everybody, should hear everybody, you know? And, and I actually would love to hear what he says happened because I don't trust what we heard last night because of all the ways that we've seen them cut and piecemeal and take certain things and not show other things, why don't, why can't we see the full story? Let's have him testify. It'd be interesting. He doesn't want to go because right now it is such a one-sided committee because Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, yeah, there's an R in front of their name, but it's just a letter. They clearly hate President Trump more than the Democrats do. So that's one thing. But two, I actually, I'd love to hear what he has to say and what, because there's probably a lot more to the story than they're letting on. And just, it's it, the American public deserve that. He deserves it. It's due process. Even though it's not a trial, they're acting like it's a trial. And if they're going to send it for criminal complaint, if you're going to go after the president of the United States, you better have your ducks in a row. Stan, I'll, I'll give you a few a few minutes, but a few seconds, literally. But um, but don't you think we need to know if indeed the National Guard was turned down by Nancy Pelosi, as many people have said? Oh, I think you should get Mr. Solomon if he has solid. And I asked you this before. Get John Solomon to give the committee the information that he has. I bet they already have it. And it's I bet they, it by the way, Stan, I bet they have it, and I bet they're not showing it. You know, just like a lot of other things, they're clearly not showing because it doesn't fit their political message. Stan, thank you, though. I always love hearing from you. Um, let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn, line five. Go ahead, Jim. I can't stand hearing even his voice. The guy is a sick guy. I think he's attracted in a, a sexual way to Trump, and he can't have him. Who are you talking about? You talking about Stan? Stan? Stan. Oh, yeah, he's a very sick guy. You could tell. Look, I know you, you're kind-hearted, and you want to hear all sides. I understand that. I but do, hanging on Jim. the phone, hearing I him do, is Jim. oh my God, it hurts. Uh, well, I, I I appreciate hearing everybody, and I and listen, I. I think it's great in a place where there's so much uh, crazy cancel culture. I love hearing from everybody. I may not agree, but I at least love hearing from them. Go ahead, Jim. But you notice, listeners, you notice Stan wants Trump to go there and answer questions. In other words, Trump can't ask questions. Trump can't bring witnesses. He's just going to sit there and be harangued. The Democrats are not going to allow that anyway because the Democrats – ganged up on Oliver North at one of these hearings, and Oliver North kicked their butt and proved that we had a severe national security crisis in Latin America. So, Well, and, and Jimmy, too, did you hear what I also said to Stan, is that 
I also, I really honestly, really genuinely would like to hear what happened with these National Guard requests that, you know, that they somehow don't even want to, nobody's even asked Nancy Pelosi. She won't, they won't put her under oath. They won't put the Capitol Hill police. I mean, are you kidding me? The head of security there? It's like there's suddenly there's like a cone of silence around them. What about Muriel Bowser? The D.C. mayor, because that's part of her jurisdiction, too. There's, I mean, there's so many questions here that I just think the American public deserves to know all sides to it. And, and then let's then, you know, then you can say it is a fair process. But if you just hear one side, how is that a fair process, Jimmy? That's why Trump has to bring witnesses. He can't be there and say what happened. And they're just going to say he lied. And people like Stan are going to say he lied. Trump has to be able to ask them questions and also bring witnesses. You know, the Democrats did this in the past, too, to Colonel Bo Pak, a South Korean colonel. He was sent here to counter the communist work here to, to, against South Korea. And Colonel Bo Pak, at one of these things, was given four or five minutes to talk. He outed Congressman Donald Frazier as being a communist. He destroyed Congressman Frazier. Congressman Frazier lost his last, last uh, his next election after that. So, Jimmy, so, how do you think how do you think um, these are impacting Trump? And do you think we'll ever hear from him what happened that day? Well, the left is getting crazier and stronger, and the conservative, the American side, is getting more angry too. The left is pushing us to real danger of civil war. The left, this is not the Democrat Party of old. This is not the Democrat Party of old. This is part of the Marxist movement. Oh my, they, the, Ukraine is being hit with hypersonic missiles, and that technology came when Hillary Clinton built a Silicon Valley outside of Moscow. Remember the Russian reset? She thought it was wise to build, this, build, build Russia up. And they gave yeah, and boy, and by the way, boy, and boy, by the way, speaking of, I mean, what a crazy, there are so many things going on in the world. But, Jimmy, you bring up, you know, first of all, uh, powerful stuff in terms of what's going on with the war. There's so many things going on uh, between the war, uh, between the economy, between crime, between all these other things. And yet, uh, if you listen to the Democrats, it's all January 6th, January 6th, January 6th, because they're scared of President Trump. And they're scared that he still has such a strong strong following uh let's go to uh glenn in long island glenn your thoughts hey rita great to speak with you thank you what do you what uh, do you think god well god bless you for all you're doing for our our military and law enforcement uh it's disgusting that's what i think um oh by the way i'm also the the, a child of danish immigrants i've been uh, with you since the old days at fox Oh, I love that. Thank you. In in honor of my mother, my beautiful Danish mother. Thank you. Um, And I love that. We're lucky. (laughs) I've got got one of those, too. Anyway, um, I just pray that the American public is not going to be, is not naive enough to see something on television. Eight times uh, the Democrats have commandeered all three major networks, the cable networks, mainstream media is corrupt. It might as well be an arm of the Democrat Party. Bill O'Reilly mentioned earlier uh, the lobbyists that pay millions uh, to these uh, media companies. Thank God for people like you and everybody on this station. You mentioned the ham sandwich before, and I'm retired law enforcement. I know a little bit about the law, and there's an old saying, you can indict a ham sandwich. In, in a grand jury, it is one-sided, There is no uh, defense attorney present. Uh, You don't have a chance 
to cross-examine witnesses. This whole thing, if they've got something on our president, President Trump, it belongs in a court of law where he can defend himself. He can testify if he wants. And this is just clearly uh, a charade, free advertising uh, across all media sources for the Democratic Party because they're terror- terrified of the red wave that's coming this November. And they're, and they're, clearly- and they're scared of Trump, too. I mean, you can tell they're, they're worried that he's going to run again. Um, he's still getting huge crowds out at the rallies. You know, I want to ask you, Glenn, too, um, your thoughts, and I bring this up about the, the point about the National Guard, because there are, you know, a lot of still reports, and there are people who say they testified under oath. We haven't seen any of their clips because they don't want to play them, um, of, that they were in meetings where Trump had asked for the National Guard. And I had John Solomon on the show last night. He was saying the same thing. So my point to you, don't you think that changes things if, if indeed that can be proven? But they don't want to ask Nancy Pelosi that, and they don't want to ask Muriel Bowser and other people that. A hundred percent. And this all belongs in front of a judge and not in front of television cameras with slick uh, Hollywood uh, uh, productions being presented as evidence. This is not evidence. This is an infomercial for the Democrats. Yeah, and they are riding this infomercial through Election Day, November, and beyond, you can tell. Glenn, thank you. We're going to continue with... It's the Rita Cosby Show. Tina Turner here on a Friday night on the Rita Cosby Show. I don't want to fight. How fitting is that song? The Democrats are ready to definitely fight, and they are going to battle with President Trump. The question is, will they succeed, and what does it mean for the midterms? Because they're going to drag out these hearings. They announced it yesterday, and they've been talking about it today, that they are going to drag out the January 6th hearings Uh, At least it looks like close to midterms, maybe even after. Who knows? Uh, They're putting out a report, but they're going to put out more witnesses at that time. So this could be the endless cycle of January 6th hearings. Let's go to Rose on line two. Rose, your thoughts about all this. Good evening. It's always interesting to hear you, Rita. I want to make a couple of quick points. Uh, Number one, I'm old enough to remember the HUAC. Do you remember the who was? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, my British grandfather, who had gone to Sandringhurst and came to the United States and then started farming here in the western part of New Jersey, the Amwells, they're Republican, mind you. Uh, but, and Rose, do me a favor, just because we have a short time, real quick, what's your point? My, my point is this. If Donald had something to defend himself about, he would have done it a long time ago. If who? If Donald Trump had? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? The thing that's interesting in politics, there's a lot of different gamesmanship that's taking place. And he certainly is talking on Truth Social. He says this is all a bunch of lies. It's a bunch of smears. That's why he says he doesn't want to participate in this. And it is one-sided, to his credit. It is really one-sided. I want to hear the answers. I think the American public wants to hear the answers. I'm not sure we're going to get it out of the January 6th committee. 
is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 